T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So Brian Kelly, smiling more than ever. What an enjoyable season it's been for Brian Kelly as they've watched a team that has exceeded expectations, has overcome injuries, has had a lot of young guys play, and they talk about the growth and maturity that they've seen as reminding them why they got into this business, what they love about what they do. I love what he had to say, you know, about curiosity. For any of these programs looking to hire a coach, that would be one of the traits that he thinks is top of the board. you got to find someone that's curious. He was curious, digging into his program, what it needed to make the turn back in 2016. It was youth. It was reconnecting with players, and he's done that and more. To move to 54 and 9 over the last five seasons. You just can't stay stagnant. You can't. Anthony Heron on 670 the score. That was my guy Brock Hewitt on the call. As uh, Notre Dame took down Stanford. It's an impressive season for the Irish. One that ends with them just being. One loss in the regular season, 11-1 and one overall. And we just saw the college football playoff rankings that came out earlier this evening. And Notre Dame is again at number six in those committee rankings. No more data points on the way in the regular season, though, for the Irish because, of course, Notre Dame is independent. Well, an independent man decided to leave South Bend, and we'll get into that right now on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline with Tyler Horka. He's a Notre Dame beat writer for blueandgold.com, part of the Rivals Network, notredame.rivals.com. And you can find Tyler on Twitter at TBHorka. Tyler, how you doing, man? I'm great, Anthony. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, appreciate you joining us. There's a, there's a bit of news that you have been uh, tasked with covering here in recent days, so we're looking forward to discussing that. We've got all kinds of Irish listeners here on the score. Uh, just starting out with the, the season itself coming to an end in the regular season, another impressive regular season, of course, for Notre Dame. And I'm wondering now that the college football playoff rankings are out and Notre Dame comes in at number six, and I, I wasn't aware. We had Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic on the show a little while ago, and Nicole was telling me uh, about this, I guess I'll call it a clause <laughs> that's there within the selection committee's purview to sort of count it against programs uh, if certain players aren't available or apparently if coaches are not available. So how, how would you say you anticipate that affecting the perception of Notre Dame if some chaos above them does take place? Yeah, before Gary Barda even got on ESPN tonight at the end of uh, the ranking show and kind of outline that clause and it's exactly as you just described it if you know an acting head coach or a previous head coach is not able to uh, be with the team and coach the team that he coached all season in the playoff and uh, 
you know, the, the committee can take that into account. Before that was even stated, uh, you know, when, when the news comes out yesterday that Brian Kelly wouldn't be coaching Notre Dame anymore, that's where my first thought went was, well, okay, this is a Notre Dame team that, you know, is on the precipice of sneaking into the college football playoff and what happens then? And, you know, that the committee is made up of uh, a dozen human beings who were probably thinking the same thing as me. What is a team that, can, you know, can easily feasibly sneak into the college football playoff going to do without its head coach? So I think that's definitely something the committee is going to take into account. The committee chair, Gary Barta, laid it out tonight that it is something that, you know, is written, you know, in, in ink, in writing that the committee can take into account. So I think it's absolutely uh, potentially going to affect Notre Dame come Sunday. And with with that in mind, for for Irish fans at this point, I mean, is there I don't, I don't know, Schadenfreude may be the right word because it just feels to me like going into this weekend that everything's going to line up where Notre Dame should make it. Like all the right folks are going to lose. Michigan's going to get upset by my Hawkeyes, mm-hmm. and Alabama's going to go down, and Cincinnati's going down, and there's going to be Notre Dame sitting there with one loss. So, w- what do you anticipate the committee actually doing with that if it takes place? Yeah, obviously it's all circumstantial and, and theoretical right now, but absolutely, you, you look at the rankings and uh, you expect Georgia to beat Alabama. Georgia's been the best team in the country all year. That would knock Alabama out with two losses. And absolutely, like you said, I was definitely capable of beating Michigan. Michigan's gone with two losses at that point. Uh, Cincinnati's the interesting one. Obviously, the Bearcats beat uh, Notre Dame in the regular season. Uh, both teams would have one loss, but you look at strength of schedule and stuff like that. Notre Dame obviously plays a bunch of power five teams. Cincinnati doesn't. So I think the committee would give Notre Dame the edge there. And then, you know, there's the big 12 where if Baylor is able to knock off Oklahoma state, then uh, you, you really only need two of those things, two of those uh, games to go Notre Dame's way that I just mentioned. So at that point, even with Brian Kelly, not being able to coach uh, because he's down in Baton Rouge now, I think there's definitely going to be some scenarios where if some things fall into Notre Dame's lap and and go the Irish's way, uh, it's going to be really hard for the committee to keep Notre Dame out, even though, uh, you know, athletic director Jack Swarbrick spoke spoke today and uh, did not name an interim head coach. If I were Jack Swarbrick, I I would be thinking about doing that pretty soon, just so the committee knows, you know, who's going to be coaching this team if it is a college football playoff team. And uh, I, I think, the, the 12 people in that room would have a better sense of what to expect if Swarbrick were able to do that. But obviously his hands are kind of tied too because he wants to make the right decision and sometimes that takes time. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. If at least having a placeholder would be something, you know, if, if it's Marcus Freeman right. and he's interim to sort of audition for a couple of weeks maybe or something along those lines just to uh, to have something the committee can can hold on to in, in what's leading the program for the time being. Uh, to, to Brian Kelly, what, what's your understanding of exactly how the, you know, we've seen obviously reports on Twitter of how the, the timeline itself played out with his notification of players, but as far as the interest from LSU, because I, I was on the record, I, I was, I'd been saying it for weeks, I thought USC and LSU did themselves a disservice by how early they moved on from their coaches, and I thought they would likely be making it difficult on themselves because the market started to dry up. Mel Tucker's getting new money, and James Franklin's getting new money, and all these other coaches of prominence are you know, signing these extensions in the midst of the season after these prominent jobs came open well before they were going to be able 
to be filled? What is your understanding of of when LSU and Brian Kelly or LSU and Brian Kelly's representative were, were first beginning to talk and work on what we saw play out? Right, and that's something that LSU would have been smart to do uh, early in the process. So that that goes, you know, it can go two ways, like you said. You know, saying Ed Orgeron's not going to return uh, whenever it was October. You know, it was really early on. You know, it's almost been two months, and then since then, you know, maybe that cripples the program, and and a lot of people get a little anxious, not knowing what the future is going to be, because you've got a lame duck head coach for two months, but then. I guess that kind of opened up Scott Woodward to maybe say, we're going to start shooting our shots right now. And I'd be very surprised if uh, Brian Kelly wasn't one of the first guys they went to because of his track record of success at Notre Dame. And I think a couple of things that Jack Swarbrick said today during his press conference kind of shed a little light on how this all came about. Obviously, you know, if, if you're waking up on Monday morning, you feel like it happened overnight, you know, one day, Brian Kelly's the coach at Notre Dame. He's, he's beating Stanford 45-14 to 14 on the road. And then the next day, you know, he's down in Baton Rouge. But, you know, Swarbrick said he saw some signs that Kelly's been at Notre Dame for 12 years. He's, uh, you know, arguably reached the ceiling where Notre Dame gets to the college football playoff and then gets bounced by an eventual national champion in the semifinal game. And Notre Dame doesn't even have a shot of sniffing a national title. So um, he saw that LSU won uh, – a national title with a head coach that they just let go this year, two years ago. So uh, I think LSU probably reached out to him uh, early on, but you know, the, the, the real talks, we all know how fast this stuff can happen. Uh, look at Lincoln Riley. One day he's playing for uh, you know, a spot in the college football playoff and a big 12 in the spot in the big 12 championship game. The next day he's at USC. So I think these are things that are always constantly kind of happening, uh, you know, out of uh, the program's eye. You know, in in Riley's case, he's not telling uh, Joe Castiglione that he's talking to USC, but he might have been talking to USC for a long time. And I think it could have been the same way with Brian Kelly and and LSU because uh, Jack Swarbrick certainly made it sound that way today. Yeah, it was a really interesting presser that the Jack Swarbrick ended up giving with the assembled media there. Continuing our discussion with Tyler Horka of blueandgold.com. He joins me now on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. And, you know, one of the things, one of the, the indications there from Brian Kelly and, and Jack Swarbrick sort of referenced that as well, the, the plateauing that was there because, you know, he leaves as the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, multiple college football playoff appearances. But like you said, no national championship. Do you get the sense then just as a program, is that the current plateau for Notre Dame? Like just play, play their schedule, their Notre Dame schedule, and sometimes it's going to feel a little better than others just depending on how the Big Ten's doing and how the Pac-12's doing and the opponents they have there outside the ACC. And maybe it leads to college football playoff appearances, but is, is Notre Dame sort of maxed out just because of some of the recruiting restrictions and whatnot? Or could you see another coach coming in and, and getting into that true blue blood upper echelon where you know our parents used to think of them historically being? I think that's what makes the timing of this so interesting in that Notre Dame probably, I know the schedule ended up being a little easier than it maybe looked in the preseason, uh, but Notre Dame probably should not have gone 11-1 and this year. I think a lot of people did not predict that. I certainly didn't predict that. I thought this was more of a nine and three, maybe a 10 and two Notre Dame team, but here they are sitting at 11 and one and they don't have a head coach and they still might make the college football playoffs. So uh, it's interesting that this is the time that Kelly 
decided to uh, to leave the program on, on arguably when it's still on the rise and, and maybe able to you know get over that plateau or break through that ceiling. So uh, you know Notre Dame, you mentioned recruiting restrictions. They've never really had that true. Uh, game-changing quarterback. I know Ian Book was really good, but, you know, he had some limitations in the passing game. And uh, the true freshman that they had this year, Tyler Buckner, a lot of people believe that he could be that guy. You've got a lot of really talented uh, younger players uh, growing around him as well. This offense is really young, a lot of really young playmakers. So I think the offense is primed to be better next year. There's a lot of uh, potential super seniors that could come back on the defensive side. And that's a defensive side that got better each and every game throughout the regular season under first-year defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. So all signs pointed to Notre Dame being better next year than it was this year and obviously maybe even the years after that. And this was still an 11-1 football team. So the the timing was interesting. I think uh, Notre Dame could certainly bring in somebody that just kind of picks right up, picks up where Kelly left off and and maybe take this program to, uh, to even higher heights, I think. Uh, when you think about the best programs in college football in the last five years, Notre Dame's definitely in the top five. You mentioned a couple of college football playoff appearances, so not too many teams can say they've been there once. Notre Dame's been there twice, and uh, you know we might be days away from finding out they're going to make it there a third time too, and and Kelly won't be there, which which really makes the timing interesting. Both Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day are, are guys who. You know, were with their programs with Oklahoma, with Ohio State for a relatively short period of time and relatively short time as coordinators, and then ended up taking over as the head coach once the you know the all time great ended up leaving. Do you see Marcus Freeman? How, how much of a viable candidate is Marcus Freeman to perhaps become Notre Dame's head coach? I don't think he's option number one. I think all signs are pointing to uh, Notre Dame trying to lure Luke Fickle away from Cincinnati. I, I think Fickle's done a tremendous job down there, kind of in the same way Brian Kelly did, uh, you know, a decade and a, half, and a half ago or so when Notre Dame was able to lure him up to South Bend. So uh, he's definitely on the short list, though, Marcus Freeman. Uh, if you talk about the recruiting that it's going to take for Notre Dame to break through that ceiling of not just making the playoff, but winning a playoff game, maybe winning a national championship game, you know, Notre Dame is ranked number four in, in rivals uh, recruiting rankings for the class of 2022 right now. The early signing period for that class begins in two weeks, two weeks from tomorrow. So uh, Marcus Freeman has had a huge hand in getting Notre Dame to that ranking. So if you want to kind of stabilize the work that Notre Dame has put in on the recruiting trail, uh, naming Marcus Freeman the next head coach, maybe the next interim head coach for the time being at least, would would go a long way in doing that. So He's on the short list for a lot of reasons. Recruiting is definitely one of them. I think uh, a lot of people, especially at Notre Dame, think very highly of him as a defensive coordinator. Obviously, you know, the reports came out today that Brian Kelly's trying to get him to go down to LSU. That shows how much Brian Kelly uh, holds him in high regard. So Freeman on the short list, uh, kind of ironically with his former uh, boss, if you will, Luke Fickle. You know, Freeman was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati for three years. So uh, a lot of kind of interchanging moving parts here, but um, I don't think Jack Swarbrick's going to have too lengthy of a list and Marcus Freeman definitely on that list. And I've, I've had a hard time getting a, a real clear handle on, on exactly how much Brian Kelly has been making in recent years at Notre Dame. See some articles I've read 
you know, make it seem like he was around $3 million a year and really underpaid for a coach of his stature and resume and success. The other saying that he was maybe more around seven mil per year. In the end, I think what matters is whether or not Notre Dame had the opportunity to match, and they obviously, you know, it would seem they weren't willing to match where LSU went financially. What what is your understanding of the financials that have been the case for Brian Kelly up until now, and whether or not Notre Dame was and perhaps would be for the next guy willing to play in that same ballpark that that a lot of these top flight coaches are getting with the ten years hundred mil. Right. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some gray area. Obviously, he's working for a private institution, so the, the numbers don't come out as readily as they do for other places. You know, we, we've already seen what he's going to be making down in LSU. So I can tell you that it definitely wasn't that much. Uh, he, he just became one of the highest paid college football coaches in the country today. Uh, it was probably uh, somewhere closer to that five six range, though. So he's almost making. Uh, if that is the case, then right now. You know, that's, he's doubling his, his paycheck. And uh, this, this definitely had a lot to do uh, with the financials. Uh, anytime you get a pay raise and you get to, you know, keep continuing, uh, you get to continue coaching at a blue blood program like LSU. And I know Notre Dame is Notre Dame, but LSU is still LSU. So the, the, the fact that he did get a pay raise and he gets to couple that with, uh, you know, working at a, a university and a program that cl- clearly can not only compete for national championships, but win them. They're only two years removed from winning one. Um, all the stars kind of aligned for Kelly in that way. And, and if winning a national title is, uh, you know, Kelly's what w- all that's missing from his resume, you, you mentioned all time winning his coach at Notre Dame. Uh, he would have arguably became one of the, the greatest, if not the greatest Notre Dame head coach ever, if he could win a national championship in this era, we'll never know if, if he could have or not at this point, but he's definitely capable of winning one down at LSU if Ed Orgeron did it two years ago. So uh, if, if he just wants a national title on his resume, no matter where it's at, the money combined with the fact that he can do that at LSU, uh, you know, made a lot of sense for Kelly to do this now, uh, just uh, a month or so after turning 60 years old. And it's been a fascinating couple of weeks at the college football level and Brian Kelly just being right in the middle of all these different storylines shouldn't necessarily be shocking. The the finances, before I let you go, Tyler, the finances of everything that's that's taking place at Notre Dame there, I I've in my head put the Irish and their administration and what they're able to do, what they're capable of financially, I've put them in a similar echelon with some of these other programs. I mean, like if Michigan State can pay nine and a half mil for Mel Tucker every season for the next 10 right. years. It would seem like Notre Dame could. It, is that a misinterpretation, misunderstanding, or is it just something they may not be willing to do? Well, the way I understood uh, Swarbrick's press conference today was that uh, Kelly didn't even give Notre Dame the opportunity to match. He kind of made up his mind. He went to Jack Swarbrick last night and said, hey, there's something I need to talk about, and it wasn't I have an offer from LSU. Here's what it is. I want to stay at Notre Dame. Can you match it? It was, I have an offer from LSU. I'm going to take it. And I'm going to tell the team tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. that I'm out the door and, and, and on my way to LSU. So I think if, uh, you know, the conversation would have gone a little differently, Jack Swarbrick would have absolutely entertained the idea of paying uh, upward of $10 million a year to retain Brian Kelly. But uh, for, for all the reasons I might have mentioned and, and maybe some others that uh, we'll find out in Brian Kelly's intro press conference tomorrow, 
uh, it really seemed like this is something that uh, just came across Kelly's table, and he said, um, "If I'm going to do, if I'm going to leave Notre Dame, it's uh, it's right now. It's for this opportunity." And uh, here, here we are talking about it on, on a random Tuesday night in late November. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's as interesting a time as we've seen in, in quite some time in college football. Really appreciate the time and the coverage you spent with us tonight, Tyler. Great stuff, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. That is Tyler Horka. He is on Twitter at TB Horka, joining me on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline. You can find him on Twitter at TB Horka, but also his writing at NotreDame.Rivals.com. You can see him at BlueAndGold.com as well. When we return, I want to transition. Let's get back into some NFL talk. We can open the phone lines back up as well at 312-644-6767. I'm I'm just curious about this Bears roster because I feel like where the Bears roster sits at the moment will be part of the evaluation of the the team, how they view Ryan Pace, how they view Matt Nagy, and how it relates to, to the holiday season. We'll get into that next year on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit Stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela. The mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. For every team in the league, you know, all these teams are, you look at it and you say, man, if we, if, 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 well, the ifs don't matter. You know, we got to, we, we didn't win those. Uh, we lost them. And so no matter how we lose them, no, ma- no matter how we win, our record right now is four and seven. And uh, the goal is to be five and seven. The voice of Bears coach Matt Nagy talking about his goals moving forward, where the team sits now, but where they want to sit as we move forward here. I think it's admirable. That's the approach that they should be taking to the remainder of the season as they sit at four and seven. Yes, there were some winnable games that were there previously and in other weeks. Coulda, woulda, shoulda against San Francisco. Coulda, woulda, shoulda against Pittsburgh. Coulda, woulda, shoulda against Baltimore. Dropped all three of those. Certainly had that that Tampa Bay game before those and the Green Bay game where they were close against one of the best teams in the NFL, even with the Packers, and had that touchdown drive late that that got them back into things and still weren't weren't able to make that happen as the defense didn't close the door. So all that 
leads you to wonder what could have been like if things were just slightly different. There's at least three games that have been played this season. You say, you know what? Bears could have won that one, but they didn't. And and here they sit at four and seven where maybe they could be seven and four when it comes down to it. But it does make me wonder a bit as we approach this coming off season here and how will the Bears view this coming off season? How, how do they view even the remainder of this season amongst a variety of topics for players like Justin Fields and how quickly should they rush him back onto the field if he is a competitor and as a tough guy. We've seen a lot of that on display during his collegiate and professional career so far. Tevin Jenkins and how quickly do they want him to be onto the field and what does it mean for some of these older players who are sort of nursing injuries but in contract years. All that evaluation has me wondering, based off the holiday season, how do we view the Bears roster itself. Patrick Finley was talking about it a little bit earlier, just trying to parse whether or not the the blame. And I think that's a that's a fair word because when it comes down to it, when folks' jobs are on the line, a lot of that comes down to who's going to be blamed for what's going on here, what has materialized through the four years of Matt Nagy, through the seven years of Ryan Pace up to this point. And holidays are about leftovers. I think that's what it comes down to, man. Like, Sean, I don't know if you're, if you're a big leftover guy or not. I got a bunch of leftovers in the fridge I'm going to go dig into after I get done here. A bunch of Thanksgiving leftovers that are still there just waiting on me to grub on. Are you, you a big leftover guy, Sean? Yeah, mine are gone already. I mean, what's up with you waiting until Tuesday? Was it the New Orleans day? That, that, was, that was really what it comes down to, man, is because I spent a couple of days down in Nola. And so, really, I left first thing Friday morning going to New Orleans. And so, for me, after we finished up Thanksgiving dinner and I had uh, some of the in-laws came into town, my wife's sister and her husband and their kids were here celebrating Thanksgiving with us. And so, we tore through a whole lot of food on Thanksgiving night. And then I got up Friday morning and, and skedaddled. And I was gone until Sunday so I had a few days there where it was essentially like a good two and a half, three days until I got back Sunday evening from New Orleans where I wasn't really chowing down on the leftovers. So between the wife and the toddler, there's only so many leftovers they're going to be capable of eating. So when it comes down to the leftovers in my household, a lot of that, uh, pun intended, falls on my plate. And it, I was not there for it to fall on my plate because I was gone. So that, that's what that comes down to. But I mean, you know, I don't know how you and your family get down, man, but we, you know, we tend to make shipments of food, whether it's, you know, the, you know, me and the wife, whether it's my folks or my siblings, like there was just gobs and gobs of food that's there. So even when I'm in town, like there, there tends to be stuff that goes to waste at some point because there are so many leftovers. Like, do you have Sean Anderson, a, a favorite leftover coming off of Thanksgiving that you just love getting right into. You dive in. You feel like you never get enough of it. Is there one leftover that stands out for you? It's it's the easiest question you've ever asked me, and it's mainly because uh, my grandma sent me home on Thanksgiving with basically a briefcase, like a Tupperware briefcase, just full of cheesy potatoes, um, which are like, you know, I, I would say my family makes them probably no different than anybody else, but they're like diced, uh, you know, potato chunks. And then there's just a ton of cheese on them. So it really can't be bad. It's just potatoes and cheese. Now, cheesy potatoes. Are we talking like, are they mashed potatoes? Are they au gratin? Like, what, like what form? I, I, so I, would, I don't know if they are frozen diced. I might get an angry call from my grandma if I say they're frozen. <laughs> but I'm not a big chef. So I will say that they're like frozen diced like hash 
potatoes. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like you probably throw uh-huh. them in a breakfast hash, um, and then just covered with you know whatever cheese they're they're making. It's 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 kind of like a, a mac and cheese, but instead of noodles, it's it's diced potatoes. Interesting. I, I'm not familiar with the uh, like you know when I think cheesy potatoes, I think p- potatoes au gratin is what's kind of in my head. But those are more kind of you know all you know circular and sliced up in a certain manner and it doesn't sound like that's what you're describing there you're talking more almost like a shredded you know hash kind of vibe which sounds tasty sounds yeah, very tasty it's not too far off from an au gratin it's probably a mix of an au gratin and then like you know the, the hash concept but it's okay. it's mainly just cheese and potatoes i really am just kind of you know overselling it here <laughs> The it's 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 genius in its simplicity is the way it exactly. sounds like Grandma Anderson gets down there with the cheesy potatoes. So I'm, I'm down with that. I got no issues there. Well, when I look at the the current construct of this Bears roster, what, what I tend to do a lot of times, I haven't done it in I would say a couple of years. Like even in the midst of that six game skid last year, where there was still a lot of contract control for guys, there weren't as many players going into contract years, and you know it still felt to me. More likely than not, that Matt Nagy would be returning, that Matt Ryan Pace would be returning. But I remember going through a bit of an exercise a few years ago before the Bears ended up hiring Matt Nagy and just sort of assessing where the roster was. It was coming down towards the end of that final John Fox season. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily do it through this same uh, sort of holiday meal lens, but I think it's fitting because I'm, I'm getting ready to chow down on a bunch of leftovers after we finish up here. So essentially what I want to do, and you guys can, can let me know either on the text line or on the phone line at 312-644-6767. I'm just going to sort of parse my way through this Bears roster a little bit and just give you my thoughts on if a particular player is a main course. Are they a side dish? Or are they leftovers? It, it, you know, Main course is obviously one of these entrees that you show up for that you know you can't do without. You know, whether, whether you're talking your, your turkey or your dressing, or some folks may term it as stuffing, um, you know, some, some of the other dishes that, that are really just the, the epitome of what the meal is all about. Well, you know, maybe it's ham, maybe it's mac and cheese for some folks. Maybe it's a roast beef in certain holiday meals. Or are you more of a side dish? You know, are you, you know, the mashed potatoes? Not necessarily the cheesy potatoes that Sean Addison's hyping up over here, the, the excellence in its simplicity, but maybe just the, <laughs> yes, exactly. Maybe, maybe it's the mashed potatoes. Maybe it's the cranberry sauce. Are you more of a side dish? Or all in all, are you just maybe worthy of being enjoyed beyond the meal itself? Are you going to be there a few days later where you still, you definitively serve a purpose, but you're not necessarily a part of what folks are showing up and paying that top dollar to be involved in, the leftovers. So we'll do that. You can help me out with it if you want to, 312-644-6767. So I will start in the, the easiest of positions with the, as Matt Nagy finally corrected himself, after initially being sort of wishy-washy about his rookie quarterback and and whether or not that position was one that would be immediately returned to Justin Fields upon getting healthy, you know, Nagy kind of uh, kind of got back, revisited that, and and righted where things sat after they got out of the his his press availability after the Baltimore game where he was asked about Justin Fields as the starter and said, "All right, we're not going to get into that yet." Pretty much the next day and since then, he has corrected that and been more definitive about when Justin Fields is healthy. He is the starting quarterback. So Justin Fields, to me, is obviously a main course. That, that is an, an entree du jour. He is a player that you show up, you pay the money to get. He is one that you are hoping, as the Chicago Bears franchise, as Chicago Bears fandom, 
that he will be outstanding, that he will be as excellent as excellent can be, that he will be succulent, that he will be juicy, that he will be what everyone hopes they can show up for and enjoy and be worthy of every dollar associated with a main course, with a fine entree, like any great meal, like any holiday meal would be worthy of. So Justin Fields' definitive main course, in my opinion, I feel like that is at the moment a no-brainer. Doesn't mean he is definitively at the moment a star, but that potential is there and no doubt on the Bears roster, one of the players that they will be looking to build around in the future. Now going to the running back position, this is where I think it could potentially get a little bit dicey because I think, you know, you obviously have starting running back David Montgomery, but you also have what we saw from Khalil Herbert in the time that David Montgomery was out of the lineup. What does that end up meaning? Now when Herbert has been healthy and, and, in the lineup, and, and when David Montgomery was out, Khalil Herbert was the main ball carrier for this offense. Khalil Herbert looked like a main course. Like Khalil Herbert as, a, as a, a rookie draft pick, what, in the sixth round, he looked like a guy that, all right, you know, maybe depending on what materializes here with David Montgomery, if things don't go great there, then the Bears will still have a back who, who maybe they could build around. Now, in my opinion, Khalil Herbert hasn't looked like the same guy in the couple of games that David Montgomery has been back and healthy and been the main ball carrier again Khalil Herbert has looked more like a side dish you know he he hasn't necessarily as he's gotten the ball in his hands run through contact and had the yards after contact in the way that he was before hasn't made plays as a pass receiver hasn't had a big play in the kick return game yet in, in the time in the couple of days that couple of games that David Montgomery has been back as the main course in this Bears offense. And I really think, you know, I'm really high on David Montgomery, and I don't, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer in waiting or anything like that. But I think he is certainly a back of, of a Pro Bowl caliber skill set. And we see the productivity there when the Bears get the ball to him and how difficult he is to bring down and the all-purpose abilities that he brings to the table. In my mind, David Montgomery definitively a main course there. So I, I don't know. I, I certainly wouldn't, even though, I'm I'm surprised that Khalil Herbert hasn't in you know he's not getting the same amount of touches that he was before. But I think even before the Montgomery injury, in the limited touches that Khalil Herbert was getting, even as a backup before Montgomery and Williams went down, he he showed showed more promise, showed more pop, showed more burst than what we're seeing over the last couple of games. And I don't know exactly what that is or why that is, but I do think it, it would be nice to uh, to see when Khalil Herbert gets the ball in his hands in game to get back to where he's doing some big things. I'm wondering about that from, from Khalil Herbert specifically. Once they get back to actually getting him the ball a little bit, will he go back to looking like, like that guy that he was You know, when he was getting 15-plus touches a game? If you're only getting three to five touches a game, you still got to make those count. I don't see that. So you know, where Khalil Herbert may have been working towards the main course potential, say right now looking like more of a side dish for the moment. Three one two six four four. Six seven six seven. Got some calls on the line here. Got Derek, who is out in Harvey. As I'm talking some bears, talking about it through a holiday lens. Derek, what's happening, man? You got Anthony Heron. Yes, sir. Um, in your honest opinion, Anthony uh, Nagy and Pace, what you got to be feeling on them returning? I think that because Matt Nagy is the coach of a team with a really bad record right now, uh, and the Bears at the moment are on the outside of the playoff picture, looking in. 
you know, we're four years into this thing. So I, I never thought as the discussion started before the season when they went out and they got Justin Fields and some of the discussion began to turn. I would even maybe call it concern from certain folks evaluating things around town, thinking that, well, they just saved their jobs. and they, They're getting a couple of more years because they drafted a quarterback in the first round. To me, it never seemed that simple because I, I just think it was just the the next the next additive to the evaluation of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Like you, I don't, you know, and who knows what's going to happen, of course, but in my mind, I'm still at this point not viewing it as simply because you have a young QB doesn't guarantee you a thing. And I do think we've seen enough, enough pitfalls, enough mistakes, enough foibles for Matt Nagy, even in this season, whether it's been his experienced quarterback out there or his rookie quarterback, and certainly the evidence that's mounted over the years since then, the record in total is good. Most of the wins, most of the above 500 portion of the win-loss record came in year one. We see a team that seems like it has stagnated. It has plateaued under Matt Nagy. So in my mind, as the Bears are evaluating that, Matt Nagy's got a, got a tough road to, to perhaps maintain some job security here. He, he's going to have to really get this team to turn a corner by the end of the season over the last six games. But as we see, I do think that evaluation is ongoing. But, you know, if I was a betting man, I, I would say it's more likely than not that Matt Nagy's days are numbered. But I don't think it, his days are obviously not over yet. And, you know, despite what those rumors were early last week, you know, I, I'd be surprised if a final decision had been made. But, you know, as as the drop gets played when I'm on with Bernstein and Rahimi every Thursday, I do believe Matt Nagy knows he needs to win some damn games. And I think that's what it comes down to here in trying to close out the season with the Bears. So I there's a version of the close to this season. I believe Matt Nagy could still keep his job, but that's not what we're seeing right now. So that the team needs to get get a lot more productive before that ends up being the case. I've oh, got John, who's out in Sugar Grove right now, who's uh, on board with this whole holiday meal idea and this discussion we're having right now. What's happening, John? Hey, thanks for having me. And I love this concept, by the way. That's why I had to call in. Um, so one for each. Entree. I'd have to say uh, I, I, I like the way you're thinking about it. I don't have Justin Fields just yet. I think okay. he can be a potential as an entree just because, you know, it's, it's yet to be seen whether he'll blossom or not. So I'll say Darnell Mooney for an entree. Ooh. We've seen what he could do with limited quarterback play. He's, he's going to be special. Uh, side dish, so, uh, Khalil Mack, where, you know, he's not been the Khalil Mack role, really? but, okay. you know, I, you know, kind of important like croutons or, sorry, stuffing, but <laughs> still just a side dish at this point with all the injuries. And then finally the leftovers. I like him too. I know you like him. David Montgomery. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he runs hard, loves the way he's run, loves his attitude, loves his fierceness, but he's just not dynamic. So that's why I, I kind of classify him as the leftover category. All right, I feel you on that, John. And that, that was actually, I would say, a, a surprising pick for a side dish because Khalil Mack, it, it feels like it's either main course or bust. But I, I kind of like what you're saying there with Mack at this point, maybe a complimentary piece. I don't completely agree with that. I think we saw even through injury while Khalil Mack was on the field, he was still playing like a main course. Now, he's on the other side of 30 at this point, but so is Robert Quinn. But Robert Quinn, healthy, both physically and mentally. We see him playing as a guy who's at a Pro Bowl caliber, and I think Khalil Mack was showing that as well before he got super nicked up and has now had to you know miss the remainder of the season here. But I, I like the participation 
question we get from John right there. Appreciate him calling in out there. We'll uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll keep this portion since folks are kind of getting into it here. We'll keep this going uh, throughout the remainder of this hour. What what bears do you see as the main course? Who do you see as a side dish? Who do you see as leftovers? 312-644-6767. We'll get Sean Anderson's thoughts on that as well on the other side of this timeout. I'm Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Here's Goff. He is sacked by Quinn and a flag comes in. Ball came out at the end of the play. Gibson ended up with the football, and for now, no indication that there's a turnover, but a sack and a flag. Been watching Robert Quinn going off all season. Looking like the guy the Bears thought they gave all that money to. It's a good thing for Chicago. Too bad it's not leading to more wins, but certainly leading to some highlight reel plays when he rushes off the edge and Really, one thing that stands out with Quinn also is that not only is he making plays sacking the quarterback, but when he's on the move, he's he's been a quality run defender as well. He does what he can to hit blocks. He just, you know, he, he's not built like a guy and doesn't play with a guy that brings a whole lot of force into blocks off the edge, but he's a willing run defender. He's just not exceptional at it because, you know, he's just not that powerful of a guy. But when they get him on the move, when they reduce his alignment, allow him to take some inside charges, penetrate inside of some blockers, he, he still wreaks havoc in the run game as well when he's doing so on the move. And I respect the fact that he does at least attempt to hit blocks and try to set the edge also. It's just not necessarily his strong suit, and, but, I, but I still respect that. That's, you know, everybody's not going to be Khalil Mack in the run game. And that, that's one of the things that separates Khalil Mack from a lot of other guys in the league, even though he's built like your standard linebacker. But he just he's got so much power that he's able to play the position with, both as a pass rusher and a run defender. But really respect what Robert Quinn's been getting done this season. No doubt about that. 312-644-6767. Very curious. I was sharing some of my thoughts on which bears you view as a main course, a side dish, or leftovers. Let's get out to the phone lines, and then we'll get, uh, get Sean Anderson's thoughts on this as well. But Aaron is out in McHenry with some thoughts on this whole holiday meal edition of this Bears roster evaluation. Aaron, what's happening? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for making it. Um, so yeah, I called in because I really like the, uh, the evaluation you're doing on the uh, main course side dish and uh, leftovers. Um, I don't really have uh, one per each. I was really calling in because, uh, as you were saying all this, I was thinking to myself, you know, if the Bears were making this decision on their own, it would be like bringing in somebody without any taste buds or someone who had no knowledge of food because how bad they are at evaluating talents. <laughs> Okay, I feel what you're doing there. I'm not mad at you. Yes, the uh, the taste buds are an issue at times. Maybe someone who who unfortunately contracted COVID, who is now healthy, but just has no sense of taste or smell. I have a number of friends who have found themselves in that situation. That seems to be where Aaron thinks the Chicago Bears lie at the moment. We shall see, man. Because I don't I don't think, and I, you know, some of the folks on the text line when I was talking college football earlier, and I. You know, I found it to be fairly obvious that the Big Ten has been the best conference in college football this season. Of course, no surprise, some folks did take exception to that. Like, well, if Alabama was in the Big Ten, they'd never lose a game. Alabama damn near lost to to a mediocre Auburn team the other night. Alabama did lose to a Texas A&M squad that almost lost to Kent State earlier this season. So I think uh, if you're talking about Alabama would never lose a game in the Big Ten, you ain't been watching the Tide this season. This is not a great 
Alabama team. At least, but this is not a historic Alabama team. They're still they're a one loss team in a in the second best conference from this year. The SEC is down overall. The Big Ten is up now. In the end, if Michigan loses to Iowa. This is not a season that's going to go down in Big Ten lore as one of the great seasons of Big Ten football, even though from a from a win-loss perspective, from an excellence perspective, that's what it's been. This has been an outstanding year for the Big Ten. Still got to get a team in the playoff, though, if that's going to happen. We'll see what the Wolverines do with the Hawkeyes come this weekend in Indianapolis. But, Sean, I know uh, – well, actually, well, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's get your thoughts uh, for a moment here, Sean. I know we got some other calls on the line, but I do want to hear Sean Anderson out on this Bears roster. How do you equate it to what's happening with these holiday meals? Main course, side dish, leftovers. What, what you got? So, main course, I'm going to go with the guy that I came in with, the, the highlight there, Robert Quinn. Um, okay. th- this is from Jacob Afonte. Bears haven't had a player in the top five in sacks since Richard Dent in 1987. Wow. Right now, Quinn is tied for fourth in the NFL. So, he had a really bad last year and a good this year. I kind of equivalent that to turkey. You know, I had a really good mm. turkey this year, but usually turkey's really bad. So I'm going to go with Robert Quinn as my main course. <laughs> turkey's really bad. That's, that's like out of a strong statement. I mean, he, like all kinds of turkey. Are you a deep fried turkey guy? Do you prefer it where it's not just baked? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm surprised you have that much hate in your heart for turkey. I come from an Irish family, and we're not really good with seasoning stuff. You know, ah, we're really good at the I side see. dishes, and we're good yeah. at ham because ham's already mm. cured. Ham's already okay. re- you know ready to go. Um, so we, we're not really good with turkey. Um, side dish, I'm going to go with Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins. You're not really sure what huh. they are, but, you know, hey, like one of them could be cheesy potatoes and one of them could be a, a, <laughs> a, an anchor on that right right tackle or left tackle uh, for this team at, at, at the end of the year or, or maybe even next year. Uh, so those two guys, you're really not sure what you can get with them. And, you know, it could be green bean casserole, could be cheesy potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll go leftovers. Allen Robinson, we know we've talked about this the entire year. He seems like he's absolutely lost in this offense. He's on pace for the least amount of receptions this year in a Bears uniform, least amount of yards, definitely least amount of touchdowns. I don't think the talent's gone away. I don't think the taste has gone away. I just think that we've kind of forgotten about him. Yeah, I feel you, man. That, that is not bad at all. and it's, it's unfortunate the position A-Rob's in because it's, it's not all on him, while at the same time there have been a few missed opportunities on his part as well. And even at times when he gets a reception, he's kind of still stumbling around as he makes the grab. And like you said, I, I think all the physical tools are still there and at a high level, but something about this offense, it just seems a little bit out of rhythm and off kilter, and it's unfortunate because he's, he's been the consummate professional, he's been a great teammate, and he's been an outstanding player for the Bears in his time here. But, yeah, it's hard to, hard to make a case that especially what we've seen this season that Allen Robinson is any more been a side dish, and who knows, man, maybe even leftovers. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Got a few minutes left. Let's get a couple of more callers in here. Matthew out in Naperville. What's happening, Matthew? Hey, how are you doing, Mr. Adams? Uh, I'm doing great, Matthew. Uh, yeah, Anthony here. Yep. All right, I'm, I'm getting with you. Uh, my entree is, which is better, Max Scherzer's contract or Bobby Benia's? And then oh, my leftover is Lurie Garcia. You know what? I'm going to still go with Bobby Bonilla because Bobby Bonilla has been out the game for decades and, and just got done getting paid. So I'm, I'm going to go with Bobby Bonilla on the main course into things there. Max Scherzer, we'll see because he, he's going to be getting paid a whole lot of money seemingly for a long time by like 18 different teams. So he may surpass Bobby Bonilla at some point here moving forward. But for now, the uh, the GOAT of getting paid after you're done getting played, 
is is Bobby Bonilla for now, but we'll see. Maybe Max Scherzer will head in that direction at some point as well. Jeff is out in Bloomington wanting to get involved in this holiday meal discussion as it relates to the Bears roster. How are you evaluating things, Jeff? Well, you know what, and this is coming from a Packer fan, but I don't just like the Bears, so I may be uncharacteristic. But I think, you know, if you're evaluating the meal plan here, without Justin Fields being the, the entree, uh, I don't think you'd even be able to get anybody out of their house to go to dinner. You know, I think, I think he has to be the entree. And as far as the side dish, you know, something that you have to have and then you're going to want to have at every holiday meal, you're going to have to have Roquan Smith because you're going to want him to keep coming back year after year after year. And I think for the uh, leftovers, I think the red rifle, you know, so something happens to field, he's somebody that's left over, he still can do the job, you walk him the next day, but I think that's, that would be the guy for the leftovers. That would be my meal plan for the Bears. Yeah, and Andy Dalton didn't come here to be leftovers, right? Like Andy Dalton came here to be the entree. Andy Dalton came here to be the main course, and he has accepted it as well as anyone, I think, in a professional setting, as a quarterback, a guy who feels like he can still play the game at a high level. He has accepted his role within this franchise as well as the Bears could have hoped. And I heard Hub talking about it earlier with Spees that, you know, he thinks since Matt Nagy has admitted that Justin Fields' ribs are broken – that you know we might be a couple couple of weeks away from seeing the young man back on the football field so Andy Dalton amongst a bunch of other veterans on this squad will get the opportunity to continue to prove that he is worthy of another roster spot perhaps even worthy of being someone starter next season he was good against Detroit on Thanksgiving I, I, I tried to sort of you know advise folks not to overstate what we saw from Andy Dalton yeah he threw for over 300 yards against the worst team in football with no pass rush, and even he was shaking his own head at some of the misses he had in the second half of that game. Is there more meat on the bone for Andy Dalton? I'm sure there is. I hope there is, because in the end, we all should be wanting the Chicago Bears to do well. I've certainly enjoyed doing well on this show tonight. Enjoyed all the guests we had. My thanks to Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times, to Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic and Big Ten Network, and of course, to Tyler Horka, talks to Notre Dame from Blue and Gold, Dot com of the Rivals Network. And certainly, my thanks to Sean Anderson for holding it down for me on the ones and twos all evening here. And I cannot forget all the appreciations and salutations to all of you out there for listening, for participating in my silliness here over the course of the last three hours. Thank you all. I'm Anthony Heron, and this has been my evening with you on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm just thoroughly depressed at this point. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.